Hey, hey, friends, I'm Thea Charles, and you are listening to the Push or Pivot podcast. In this series, we discuss the path someone chooses when they are at a crossroads of their life. Do they push through the adversity, or do they stop, reassess, and pivot? This episode, we are talking to Kelly Nielsen, who is known as the Grief Guru. She helps people find freedom and healing from grief. Hey, Kelly, how are you today? I am good. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I am so happy that you're here. And I think that this is going to be an awesome episode for everyone. Um, So before we start, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Kelly Nielsen. I am known as the grief guru kind of online and around town. Um, I live in Fort Myers, Florida, and I have a delightful daughter named Piper who is about to turn 15 in April. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Yeah. So as you know, this, this podcast is a lot, we talk a lot about stories and everyone's personal stories and crossroads that they come to and how they get through it. What's a time in your life that was a crossroads? Yeah. Well, I, I so love that you have this platform for people to talk about because this is entirely what I help people to do. So um, even being the grief guru, I always say like nobody grows up wanting to be the grief guru, you know, like yeah. I was a little kid saying, when I grow up, this is what I want to do. But life happens and things get thrown at you and it's a hundred percent how you respond to those things. And you, I'm a firm believer in what I help people do is take even the hardest of circumstances, even the most difficult um, situations in your life and position them, turn them to work in your favor and for your good. So a little bit about my personal um, story and background. You know, I grew up in Minnesota, which is hard enough, right? The cold winter. Mm -hmm. But um, I grew up in Minnesota and had a fair amount of adversity growing up. I've been through divorce. I've been through bankruptcy. I've had cancer two times. Like I've had um, kind of a lot of adversity um, in my early adulthood, but it really, for me, um, what I like to call the Super Bowl of adversity came on February 1st of 2017 when my mom took her own life. Mm. Uh, And that really, it was a crisis like I had never faced. My family shattered and and still really hasn't um, recovered from that experience experience. Uh, There was a lot, there still are actually a lot of questions and unanswered things around her death. So um, what I like to say at that point is that grief came in like a flood and like had its way with me. It swept me out to sea and I had a very tough time um, not only recovering, but even living. You know, I used, my mom was my best friend. I used to pick up the phone so many times every day to try to call her only to remember that she wasn't there. I was struggling in my work. I was struggling, you know, I had no energy, I had no focus, I had no concentration. I ended up having to actually take a different position with less responsibility because I was in a leadership role and just found I didn't have the capacity to do it. So it was really devastating for me. And what was also devastating is I didn't find support. You know, when I looked around for people who had lost loved ones to suicide, not a lot of them were walking in victory or healing or joy. They were just kind of all experiencing what I was experiencing, which was just surviving. Mm. But thankfully, 
um, about six to nine months after she passed, I saw a speaker that forever changed my life. I saw this woman named Immaculate who survived the Rwandan genocide. Oh. And she heard at an event I was at um, her horrific tale of being hit away in a bathroom for 90 days with eight other women while they literally heard everyone they had ever known being massacred all around them. Nearly a million people were killed in that massacre. Her entire family was killed. And she shared on stage how not only she survived that, but then her healing process afterwards and how she was healed from the grief and how to the point that she went and met the man who killed her family and forgave him in prison. That's incredible. Even more important of her sharing her story is I saw someone for the first time, I saw someone full of joy, full of peace, full of um, expectation for good, and I, it was a, like a light bulb went off. I said, if she can do it, then I can do it. Like, here's the first person I had seen that was facing something bigger than I was facing, and she had gotten through it. And so that was just enough for me to say, I can recover from this, and I'm going to figure out how, you know? So then I proceeded to seek out tools and resources and help and examples on how to recover from grief. And through reading and praying and studying and good old trial and error, I began to discover what was helpful and what was not helpful in terms of recovering from grief. And I started to get back to myself and, and being excited about the future and, and having joy and all of those things. Um, and I'm so thankful that I did because only a few months after that, so about a year and a half after my mom passed away, uh, my 20 year old son passed away of an accidental drug overdose. And so here grief was again, and any parent who's lost their child will tell you, you know, um, grief was there and wanted to sweep me out to see again. But this time I had learned the skills and tools I needed to navigate grief. And so I had a completely different experience. I was able to move through it so much more effectively than when I had lost my mom. And that was the, the moment for me where I said, I need to share this with people. Like people know how to do this well. And I've experienced firsthand the difference of grieving with these tools and without these tools. And I need to help people do this. And so um, that is what I've been busy doing ever since is um, putting everything that's been in my head into a framework and in bite-sized pieces so that folks can consume them and learn how to reframe this whole grief process. But so exactly what you're saying, how do you take difficult things and then turn it so that it serves you instead of hinders you? And that's a huge part of what I now work with people on because if you lose someone you love, you had a hope and expectation that you were going to spend the rest of your life with your your parent, your spouse, your child, whoever it was. And now when you're faced with that, you have the choice to either focus on the fact that they're gone and what you don't have, or you can harness what they were in your life and the lessons and treasures and things that are wrapped up in grief and apply that to create a new life going forward that you can love and enjoy and and I know it, it sounds almost offensive, but I'm here to tell people that you can actually build a life that is better or more rewarding or richer or fuller, more meaningful than how the loss not happened. Now, that doesn't mean you don't wish it didn't happen. It doesn't mean you don't wish the person that you lost was still here. I would, in a heartbeat, trade everything that I'm doing for 
my mom and my son to be here with me. But those weren't the cards that I was dealt. So with the cards that I was dealt, I've been able to do things that I never would have dreamed possible before this happened. You know, the fact that I'm, I've written a book and I get to go around and speak and encourage people. And, and for me personally, I hope to be to other people what that lady Immaculate was to me. You know, if I can do that for just one person, then it's so rewarding because honestly, I don't know where I would be if I never saw her speak and share her story. I may still be stuck and not believing that recovery was possible for me or that I was ever going to get over it. And so um, my, my aim is to just be that example and cheerleader for other people to say, hey, like you can get through this. You know, I'm not promising that it's easy or that it's fair or any of those things, but I am here to tell you it is possible and it is worth it, you know, however long it takes, however awkward you may feel that like learning these skill sets, um, it's worthwhile because you don't know, you know, you don't know what's coming, you know, in the future. And I know that sounds, it's kind of doomsday-ish, but it's just the reality. Like today is guaranteed to any of us or any of the ones that we love. And so um, you don't have to be unprepared you actually can build up skill sets and muscles that will help serve you in times like that so that it's not so disorienting, you know? Wow. This is, I'm just like at the edge of my seat. This is so, <laughs> what an inspiration. And I just want to acknowledge you that you are definitely reaching people. I mean, you've already reached me. This is amazing. Mm. Um, one thing that you mentioned, you mentioned that you were able to, um, find the tools for yourself so that you could find joy. What, what kind of, things, can you give an example of what, of what you were thinking or doing? Yeah. So, um, the framework that I've established for people has five steps to it, but a couple, just, you know, a couple quick ones. I mean, the very one is, is what I just talked about. The very is believing that you can recover, believing that it's possible. And so many people don't even get there. There's a lot misconceptions about grief there's a lot of I hate to say it but there's a lot of like victim mentality and everybody just looking for a reason to defend their brokenness and I see that a lot with grieving people it's like oh you don't understand I'm grieving and that's true like you went through something hard but do you want to be forever associated as you know I don't I'm not the mom who lost her kid for the rest of my life like I'm Kelly and I'm a lot of things you know me losing my child was an experience I went through. It is not my identity. And that's one of the biggest traps that people fall into is that they take whatever bad thing happened to them and then they take that on as their identity and it begins to permeate and affect every area of their life. And so they can't enjoy work or they can't enjoy friendships or they can't enjoy these other areas of their life because this one bad thing happened. So that's a big, is learning to like, yes, this awful thing happened and we're not, denying it or minimizing it, but what is amazing in your life? Like, this is what I've really learned is that life is awful and amazing, often at the same times. Mm -hmm. The more you can live in the tension of that, the more at peace you'll be. So if you can acknowledge the awful, but still appreciate the amazing, then you're going to be okay. It's when, it's when you try to pretend that the awful doesn't exist, or it's when you let the awful overshadow the amazing that you're going to get unbalanced one way or another. So I just 
kind of, you know, show people and give them practical things on how can you, you know, recognize and acknowledge the awful, but still embrace the amazing. So we teach a lot about uh, mindfulness and mind control and be, thinking about what you're thinking about, you know, paying attention to your thoughts and learning how to take your thoughts captive. You know, our entire selves are programmable. Our minds, our taste buds, our muscles, we're all designed to, we're always changing. And so the good news of that is, is that you get to choose the little choices you make every day are conditioning yourself for one thing or another. So that's the issue I have with support groups is so many people go to support groups and it is nice to have people who understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. You go every Tuesday night and cry your eyes out and relive and rehash the, the hurt and the pain, you're actually wiring your brain to stay stuck in that trauma. Right. Your brain doesn't know the difference between imaginary and real life. So when you choose to sit and meditate and remember and rehash all the details of you know, the situation of somebody dying, it's as if it's happening all over again. And so now, you're releasing, you know, cortisol and stress hormones. Your, you know, your body is literally physically reliving that trauma. And so while I don't want people to like pretend like it didn't happen, it very much did happen. But what you need to do is put some safeguards around and control how long you're going to think about it in that way. Mm -hmm. And instead, you're going to focus on positive memories. You're going to create new positive things. You're actually going to use, I work with a comedian and an improv guy mm -hmm. and we talk about using joy and play. Mm. And those are powerful. Laughter is such a powerful medicine for restoring balance in your heart and mind and emotions. And that's another obstacle that people who are grieving feel like it's somehow wrong <laughs> or sacrilegious, you know, that it's like a fake if you're going to laugh, like you can't laugh and be grieving. And again, that's that tension. Like, it's just not true. Like grief looks like a lot of things. You can laugh, you can cry, you can be silent, you can express grief in a million different ways, but learning to intentionally incorporate joy, incorporate laughter, incorporate times of play is going to do wonders for your mental, you know, the, the neurology that's going on in your body, the hormone balance in your body, and your just state of well-being. So those are some of the things that I help teach people to do on a day-to-day -day basis that makes such a difference. That's awesome. That immediately gave me like visions of like setting boundaries like around your mind. Right. Remembering to continue to live life like that. That's awesome. And boundaries, you touch on a good point, like boundaries is such a huge, so what I teach people is the first step is to create their own framework, like what it looks like to them. And then the next two steps are all about boundaries. So boundaries with others and then boundaries in their own thinking. Um, and so especially when you're grieving, you really need to learn radical self-care. You really need to be cognizant about what you're letting come in your eyes, in your ears, who you're letting come into your life. That's one thing I learned is that if I'm grieving, people, you know, I'm contending for my healing. I'm trying to get better. I'm focusing on these positive things, right? And then a family member or a friend may call and they may be at a different place in their grief and they're going to throw up all their grief on me, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so just teaching people to start paying attention to how do you feel after you hang up the phone with that person? Do you feel lighter or heavier? And not that you don't like them or there's anything wrong with them, but just 
being super protective of your time and your emotional well-being because when you're grieving, you don't have extra energy to spare. Like everything is 10 times harder, you know, getting up, getting dressed, just doing life is really hard. So being really protective of your emotional resources and not being wasteful, you know, not engaging in conversations that aren't beneficial for you. And these are some of the skill sets that I tell people, like you may learn these skill sets while you're grieving, but this is going to serve you the rest of your life. If you can learn to be radically um, in charge of yourself and have established really great boundaries and take really good care of yourself, get really in tune with how you're feeling emotionally and physically and learn how to nurture and care for yourself, that is going to serve you in every area of your life for the rest of your life. And so that is one of the examples of how this loss actually can work for your good in the long run. You know, if you, if you didn't know about boundaries or self-care before you're grieving, you're going to learn or you're going to stay stuck in grief. Like the, <laughs> there's kind of <laughs> two choices. So my point is if you're here, why don't we make the most of it? I kind of, I equate it all the time that like, Losing someone suddenly is like being recruited to the Olympics without asking. Like all of a sudden, you're in this crazy, gnarly training that you feel ill-equipped for and, you know, and you're having to do these things that you didn't ask for and it's really hard and it's really whatever. But the point is, if you'll lean into it and if you'll cooperate with it and participate, you have an opportunity to perform in the Olympics. You know, you have an opportunity to build an amazing life you didn't think possible. You have an opportunity to help people that you never thought you'd be able to help. You have an opportunity to speak into other people's lives, things that you didn't ask for, but they're really amazing if you'll just embrace it. And so that's what I hope to help people do, to view their loss, not in light of the loss, but in the opportunity that it presents to them. And my point is, if you're going to lose people you love, you might as well make the most of it. Do you know what I mean? Like I paid a high price. Like I lost my mom and my son and I want it to matter and I want it to count. And I want the fact that they're gone from my lives to do the most good in the planet. And so I'm here personally to harness every single lesson, every single tool, every single opportunity that their passing provides me. I'm going to take advantage of out of honor and respect for them you know? Yeah. Um, I actually asked a couple days after my son passed away, I, I'm a person of faith and prayer is a huge part mm -hmm. of my day-to-day -day life. And I asked the Lord like a couple days after he passed away for 300,000. I don't know where I came up with that number, but I said, God, I'm asking that 300,000 lives would be impacted for good. I'm asking that this one loss of life would result in 300,000 people being saved, healed, set free, encouraged, you know, encouraged to, to break free from addiction, whatever that looks like. But I'm asking that the positive impact be 300,000 people. And us talking today is part of the fulfillment of that. Like I'm, I'm being able to watch it come to pass, like right mm -hmm. in my eyes. And it's, it's nothing short of amazing. Wow. You are incredible, Kelly. Really, <laughs> truly. And the work that you're doing is so needed and so, this is so impactful. I thank you yeah. truly, truly. Um, if you could give someone one piece of advice, what mm -hmm. would it be? If I could give someone one piece of advice, I mean, I really would um, encourage people to question their beliefs and their thoughts. 
so many of us, we just kind of go through the motions and we just take, you know, our, our parents' traditions or what society says or whatever, and we just go along with it. We don't ever take the time to sit down and think, wait, do I really believe that? You know, is that, does that really serve me? Is that really helping me? I, I see so many people just stuck because somebody said something to them and they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then they just sort of stayed stuck. So like in my example, I had so many well-meaning people come up to me and say, you know, I had parents who had lost a child several years earlier. They had lost their child 17 years ago when I lost Quentin. And they said, you know what? It, it hurts just as much today as it did back then. And you're never going to recover from this. You're just going to learn to live with the pain. And if had come into agreement with them if I had accepted that as my law in life like we wouldn't be talking today you know and so many people came up to me and said Kelly I, I don't know how you get out of bed in the morning and they thought they were being kind they thought they were being nice to me but it's like if I would have agreed with that and if I would have set like my bar for success of just getting out of bed in the morning like what kind of existence is that right. you know so Kind of the, the biggest, you know, the biggest change in me is that I question everything. You know, I don't just, I don't allow, I don't watch TV that isn't edifying me or building me up. I don't, you know, I actually don't watch the news at all, which is a whole nother thing right there. <laughs> it's a whole nother thing. But the point is I'm not careless with what I think about and what I choose to come into agreement with. I don't just take things and walk through this. I wrote and published a book uh, just last month actually called You're Not Craving. I'm sorry, so, can you say that again? I feel like it went out just a little bit. Um, yeah, sure. so the book is called You're Not Crazy, You're Grieving. Okay. It's available on Amazon. Um, and actually, I started a nonprofit um, in honor of my son called Q's Army. So Q's Army specifically helps families who've lost loved ones to overdose. Mm -hmm. um, portion of all the proceeds from the book helps to support Q's Army as well. We do an overdose event, overdose awareness event every year. And so that's exciting. Um, so yeah, Q's Army or uh, griefguru.com uh, and Grief Guru on social media is probably the easiest way to contact me. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, if they go to, we're actually holding an event. I know we spoke a little yeah. bit earlier, having an event in April. I'm really excited. So I've partnered up with a, a neuroscientist who really the scientific data to back everything that I'm telling you, the fact mm -hmm. that our and minds are always changing. And so her and I are partnering up to do an event and we're calling it, you're not crazy, you're grieving. Um, how literally do this on April 21st in Fort Myers, but we're hosting it virtually as well as in person. So people can go, if they go to you're not crazy, you're grieving.com. That actually is the registration page for that event. So we have early bird pricing going on until April and then regular pricing after that, but it's gonna be just jam packed full of information and helpful tips. People are gonna walk out with a personalized plan, things they can do every single day that is gonna just progress them through grieving and get them back to restoration of health and joy and zest for living, all that good stuff. Awesome. You're doing incredible work, incredible. And I, you know, you're just showing people how to stand in their power. I think that is yeah. it's really, really Yeah. Cool. What do they say that like your biggest fear is, you know, not that you're insufficient, but that you're actually more powerful than you realized. Like we yeah. actually are, we don't understand the creative um, capacity that we have and that your 
life is 100% what you create and what you allow. Yes. There's nothing that exists in your life that either you didn't create or allow. And understanding the responsibility of that and embracing that um, is incredibly powerful, you know? The one other thing I do, I do want to say, because Please. they get hit with grief and then they, they get stuck in the, in, in the heaviness. And what I want to implore people, and it's kind of a hard word, but the truth is you're not just an island. People need you to recover. It's kind of not optional. You know, um, what I like to say is that trauma was not your fault, but healing is your responsibility. Mm. You know, I, I wasn't just a daughter to my mom and a mother to my son. I have another daughter and I have other friends and family who love me. And, you know, I had a responsibility to them to figure out how to get back to health and healing and wholeness. Um, and actually the thing that drove this home, I'll never forget it as long as I live. Like on the day that we discovered, we found out my son had passed away. Um, it's horrible. I, we heard about it on social media of all places. Oh a friend of a friend posted and so we heard and for two and a half hours we didn't know for sure and we were calling hospitals and police and everything and um so when word finally came in when it was finally confirmed that he was in fact gone my daughter was with me she was 12 at the time and i just fell to the floor and i was just saying no 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 i'm like it's too much it's too much and my daughter said she said mom you're not going anywhere are you my mom taking her own life her first thought was that this would be too much of a weight for me to carry and so I tell that to people that like it's kind of not optional you know if you're a parent and you've lost your parent or a spouse or a kid whatever you have children that are looking to you you know and they and and it's not to say that you should pretend to be strong when you're not strong Mm -hmm. but you actually you know they should see you grieving but they should also see you tackling it head on they should see you like, engaging with it and getting back to a place of health because they're looking to you you know so mm-hmm. I know death is a heavy thing and grief is a heavy thing but um we really need to face it and we really need to get the skills to be able to navigate it well because if you live to any kind of old age chances are someone close to you at some point is gonna pass away like it's just gonna happen unless you die very young like it is a part of life that you're gonna have to face so you might as well you know be prepared for it and or when it happens you know do everything you can to move through it and as as efficiently as possible awesome what great words oh this was wonderful oh my pleasure my pleasure this is this is what i'll be doing from now from now until the time i go home like this is and this is what i'm talking about Uh And all that stuff, like, I would have never, like, this is completely, those two things have completely turned my life upside down mm-hmm. in, in some awful ways, but in some amazing ways, you know, I completely changed my career and what I'm doing and see my life's mission and purpose. And so, um, that's the opportunity that lay before, you know, everybody when they have something major. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you yeah. so much, Kelly. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for making the space, you know, thanks for facilitating the space to have these kinds of conversations because, you know, I just happened to go to that event and hear that speaker. I think Mm -hmm. all the time, like, what if I had not gone to that event? And so being able to like share this story and encouragement and get it out in, you know, a lot of platforms and Mm -hmm. reach people's ears, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
Thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. What did you take away from Kelly's story? How can you intentionally add joy to your life? If you would like to talk with someone at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, please call 800-273-TALK. Do you have a story to tell about a crossroad in your life? I'd love to hear about it. Contact me on Instagram at pushorpivot or email hello at theorenell.com. That's T-H-E-A-R-E-N-E-L.com. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and join me next time on the Push or Pivot podcast.